Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 249 of Dogcast Radio, which, along with all our podcasts and lots of other resources, can be found at dogcastradio.com. Later on, we'll be celebrating with the Blue Cross. So we've been here, you know, 125 years since mm. 1897. We opened the first ever animal hospital in 1906, which is amazing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and it's still going today, our Victoria Hospital. And brushing up on our social skills? A lot of people will go onto social media and they will just throw a post up and a couple of stories and then leave again and expect people to engage with them. And that's not going to happen. So, you know, don't just go on and post and ghost. But before that, I talked to Marta Negro about a fantastic new initiative, Help the Dog Fly. Marta had the idea, as you'll hear, from her own experiences adopting a dog. But I really admire people who not only have the idea, but act on it and see it through. Well, I have to say that um, when I started the idea, I found out many people on the way that told me, oh, I have the same idea, but in the end, no one brought it up and no one developed it. So That's the thing, uh, yeah. It was exactly what you were saying, that what it matters is to do it, right? Yes, definitely. Um, and this idea, in 2019, I went traveling around the world. I was mm. doing a traveling, uh, solo traveling. Um, I crossed all Russia, doing the Trans-Siberian route, and, and I arrived to Thailand. Yeah. And one of the stops that I did was in a shelter with 500 dogs. Oh, and wow. I spent there, yeah, they, I spent there like 10 days or a couple of weeks. And it was absolutely incredible experience. Mm. Um from both sides, from bad and for good one. Bad one because I saw the situation in Thailand and how with low resources they, they survive, right? All the shelters, because imagine to dispenses of 500 dogs and every day they were arriving even more. Like wow. they were dropping dogs in the street uh, or calling us um, to rescue some dogs. Um, so it was, was really, really nice. And I learned a lot. Um, but it was the first time that I saw a dog dying. To be yeah, honest, yeah. I never had that kind of experience. Yeah, um, gosh, that so must have been so a real, crazy. as you say, really great on, in some ways, but so heartbreaking in others. Yeah, yeah, it was an experience that I think is going to stick with me for, for the rest of my life. Yeah. But it, make, it makes a difference on my life, so that's great. Um, and one of the dogs that I, that I met there actually was uh, the first dog who approached to me when I, when I arrived. Yeah. Um, was the dog that I actually adopted. Uh, she had an injury in the head because other roommates, they they bite her uh, in oh. the head. So she approached to me, like, I think she was trying to show me, like, you know, I'm injured. Um, <laughs> so I took her and I brought her to the to the clinic. And for the, the rest 10 days, I was uh, picking her every day out of the gate, putting it with the bed. And I saw how she was changing, like, from one day to another, how she was really happy to see me. Oh. And I said, wow, that has to be something. Um, so in the end, I think she, she chose me to be yes. her adopter. <laughs> and I said, okay. So I got, my plan was to, to continue the trip for another four or five months around Asia. So I said, I can use those months until all her paperwork is going to get ready to, to fly back to Europe. Uh, but then 2020, March, COVID happened. Um, I was in Myanmar by that time and they were closing all the borders. I had oh, to wow. rush to Thailand. And then finally I arrived to the shelter again. Um, and I was planning to stay there for the 
two next months until all her paperwork was ready. But all my family, uh, they were here in Europe and they were saying, look, Martha, this looks much worse than, than I, you think that it is because I was in the middle of the countryside and in the north of Thailand, like no touristic place at all. Um, so in the end, I had to put in a balance, uh, like, what, what should I do? Should yeah. I go back with my family to be nearby just in case that something happened or should I stay here? So with the, all the pain in my heart, I decided to go back without my dog. Yeah. Um, so all the, the paperwork was running and was going to get ready. But then I had to look for options to bring her back. Um, and I found out that there were three options. One, through a cargo flight that they were really expensive, like 2000 or even more. Wow. Then you could use a company that was managing everything. So obviously it's a business. So they were taking her, their cut. So it was a bit less expensive. And then I found out that they are flight volunteers and basically they are travelers who they agree with the owner to do the same way that the animal they need to do. And they bring you the, the pet. And sometimes you help them a bit with a pocket money or with accommodation, with a gift or with something. So I say, that's, that's amazing. You know, I've been traveling for so long and I never realized that that was an option of volunteering. I yeah. didn't know. And, and I think I, I've been traveling for long. Um, so the only way to find them was through Facebook group. Um, mm. There are just several groups where you can post if you need a traveler or sometimes travelers, they offer themselves. But generally, they are not. It's not an option that every travel a traveler knows that they can do. No, I didn't know. No. Yeah. So um, uh, after two months, like struggling, going every day in Facebook because all the information gets lost in, in Facebook. I managed to bring this to Paris and I drove from Edinburgh to Paris to pick her up. And then happily, we are living here for the last two, two years. Oh, excellent. Uh, but then I thought, well, I was really anxious during all this process to try to look for someone. Um, I got a flight volunteer, but then uh, her flight got canceled because of COVID. So I had to look for another and was really, really difficult. So I say it would be amazing to have a platform where people can just I say, look, I'm going to fly from this and this. And then pet parents as well, they can include their, their data and, you know, like a, do an, a match yeah. of, of animals and travelers. So I did my research and I think there were a couple of websites, more or less, that they were doing that, but not as, as I wanted to do it. So I said, well, I want to, to do something about it. So I yeah. started developing all the idea. And in December of 2020, I found out another, well, I found another co-worker and a co-founder that actually is my co-founder as well. So yeah. both of us with our IT knowledge, uh, we developed the platform and we launched it in August of 2021. We had like 60 users, organic users, just to, take, to test the platform. Yeah. Um, so we listen them and we listen all the feedbacks. Uh, we fix all the all the bugs and all the problems. And now it's running. We have Excellent. the platform HeliDogFly running. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. That's so. If if someone has found a rescue dog in another country that they want brought to their country, they can get in touch. Or, but equally, anybody who's traveling, then you want them to come and sort of sign. How do they say that sign up? Is it a website? Is it an app? What do they need to do? It's in a, it's a website, but it's optimized for mobile phones. So you can, yeah. you can use your phone and it will work. Obviously we are always uh, try to improve it. Um, but uh, my goal is that this will become my full-time job. Yeah. Hopefully it's going to happen. So, but 
not not now so it's going a little bit slower than i would like to uh, but it's going that's the, the important thing that we yes. are doing improvements all the time uh, and basically uh one of the things that i think we are pioneers on is um the way that when you arrive to the platform um we need to as well educate people educate travelers that they have to do that other websites that we saw around, uh, they were just having like a form or just the dogs that they were needing, but no nothing attractive for the traveler that could catch their attention to join in. So that is our main difference, that our website is main basically for the traveler. That is our assess, like the important thing that we want to attract. Yeah. So they just need to go to the website, heledogfly.com. And they can just fill up their their profile, and if they have a trip that they are they are gonna do that they actually have the ticket, they they can put it. Or if you are planning, like I'm saying, okay, in I don't know in August I want to go to Italy, so I can even write that I'm planning to go to Italy, and my my dates are flexible. So if a dog appears and I don't mind to fly the 15 instead of the 16, I can talk with the pet parent and agree to to do that yeah excellent excellent. now you make it sound quite simple (laughs) it sounds like you know you do this and you that but as I'm sitting here talking to you I'm thinking hang on hang on what about this what about this so it's not like you know I've got a parcel here and now I know you will have thought of all this but it's, it's just occurring to me so it's not like you know I've got this parcel of you know a teddy bear or whatever that I need taken to this place on the 16th can you do it it's the 17th oh okay fine that'll wait the teddy will sit in the box for another day it's not like that we're talking about animals so I know you will have thought of this but that sounds to me quite daunting how do you ensure the the safety and the welfare of the dogs well basically we are talking about uh, adopted animals so we know that behind those animals there are usually shelters or reliable associations so in all the process, the traveler actually doesn't have to do anything. Um, all the shelter or a person who got hired by the by the pet parent is going to manage all the paperwork, is going to do everything, all the process until the dog has to arrive to the airport and the traveler has to show up. He yeah. has to do the check-in with the animal. So basically the only thing that the, the traveler has to do is to include the animal in, in the booking yeah. Um, so to make sure that they have a spot for the animal, because sometimes, I don't know, flight companies, they have five spots per flight or something. So you need to make sure that there's a valid availability for it. Um, but besides that, it's all covered by the owner. The owner yeah. is the one that has to do everything. So me as a traveler, I, I just will go to the airport, take the dog or the cat. Usually they go on on the cargo, like on, on hold. Yeah. Um, so I say goodbye to the dog. I will go to my to my plane, I travel, and then in my arrival, I will pick up the, the animal as the luggage, yeah. and I will hand it over to the family. Wow, excellent, excellent. Because and actually, you are, you are really part of a really nice experience because many dogs, they've been separated from their families for months and sometimes even years. Yeah. So to see that, well, I, I, I lived it in my first hand. When I saw my dog, I was like, is she going to recognize me? Is she going to know who I am? So, um, and then they are so happy. The dogs are amazing and they remember everything. So yeah. you are going to leave that, like how a family reconnects. So it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Now, I mean, in these times when we're, we're thinking about being green and being environmentally friendly, you know, if you, 
we still need to travel, obviously. So I guess you can make your journey count for even more, can't you? That you, it's not just you going on business or or for a holiday, whatever. You're doing a really good thing here, aren't you? For for the for the dog, for the family. It's it's you're doing a good turn with your your journey, aren't you? Yeah, you are giving an extra purpose to your journey. If yeah. I would have known that that would exist on my trip when I was turning around the world, I I would I would have used a, a platform like the one that I created. Yeah, it would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you were saying that it's not just for rescue dogs, is it? Sometimes people have to travel without their dog for whatever reason. Yeah. So it's for them as well, which again is lovely. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are open for everyone. Um, but the main idea came out from an adoption. And I know and I'm aware that there are many dogs that they, they are adopted waiting in the shelter. So for me, it will be that the main focus. But I'm open if someone i i we had a in our platform a cat and yeah. i think someone was, was in london and i don't know if the flat got floated or something and the girl was spanish and she needed to move the, the cat to go back to to malaga and wasn't an adopted cat but it's a cat that needs to travel and yeah. doesn't need to to go back to their house or with another family member yeah um so yeah it's hoping for any animal that will need it and and then, well, we have many ideas for the project to develop, like every time that a, a trip is going to be done, we are going to plant a tree in Scotland. And then um, as soon as we are going to start like getting some money to, to cover all the, the all the expenses of the platform, the idea is all the profit is going to be reinvested in the platform. Wow. So they are not gonna, it's going to be a social project and we are going to have part of the investment or part of the money for pro bono cases yeah. so basically they are going to be dogs or cats that they are waiting for so long to go back to their families and they are not a traveler available because it's a really weird route or something so our idea is to help those cats or those dogs and help them through through the platform as well yeah. so I, oh, I, I, I really hope that this platform is going to become really big because we have huge plans for it yeah yeah oh that's lovely I really like that though because you're doing so much good um and obviously yes you hope it's going to become your job and that's 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 fine because you're doing so much good but to the to the dogs to the families to the environment you know you with the trees that's such a positive thing and I think this is how business has to be now doesn't it you can't just think of oh I want some money you've got what how can I give back into the world as well isn't yeah. it well while one of our values that everyone can read about our values in the website is the transparency. So for yeah. me, it's really important that everyone is going to know um, if in a some point, hopefully I'm going to have a salary, how much is going to be my salary. I'm not looking for to be a millionaire. I just want to get paid for my job. And yeah. I wish that my job would be to help dogs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So looking forward to that. To that happen in some point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, lovely, lovely. And you can, you can. Well, if, if the owners are happy and everything, you can share all those stories, can't you? All those success stories and all the all the love that's happening for those dogs. Lovely. It's fantastic. Okay. Tell me a bit more about your dog then. What to what breed or mix is she? Well, it's a mix. Uh, yeah. I think it's a typical Thai dog, white with uh, brown spots, and actually, it's really particular here in Scotland because many people say like. What kind of breed is this one? I say, I'm sure she's coming from Thailand and she's always wearing a jacket because at the beginning she was struggling with the with the cold. Obviously. Of course. I, yeah. I even, even myself, I struggle. So <laughs> poor her. That's she changed from Thailand to here. Yeah. Um, 
but she was really scared at the beginning of everything. I remember when we were in, in Paris, uh, she didn't know how to go down the stairs because oh. she never had to, to use the stairs. So yeah. <laughs> it was really, really funny how to see how she evolved. Yeah. Then the doors, she didn't know how a door was working. She was always wait, waiting in the opposite side of the door where, where it was opening. Um, so it was a, a learning process, and but it was amazing. And yeah. we had another dog, a previous dog as well. So it was kind of a risky to know if they were going to get along or not. Uh, but hopefully, well, everything, everything was fine. Yeah. And I have to say that they are not best friends. Uh, but they get along. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully sometimes, it's gonna Yeah. But sometimes it takes a while, you know, and then you get there. You get there. Oh yeah, yeah. excellent, excellent. I really like the sound of help the dog fly. So is there is there anything else that you want to say about um help the dog fly? Well, I think it's a platform and that is just gonna work um if everyone is is gonna know about it, because we, yeah. we really need a lot of users to make that match between pets and travelers. So right now I'm focusing just to make the platform known alone travelers and, and alone uh, pet parents because I think we can do really like if if you love an, if you love animals and and you love dogs I think it's worth it to talk about it because everyone needs to know more about how good they can do while they go on holidays or while they traveling or uh, we are open as well to uh, car trips boats uh, train so we know that this platform can can go in many ways so we are open to to see the evolution so we are um yeah we have all the options like yeah. uh, to see how how can develop in which area many pet parents usually they they give a reward to the to the traveler hmm. and many times it's pocket money and we are not talking of little money sometimes they offer even up to a thousand wow. as a reward so the traveler in the end finished traveling for free, for free or really cheap. Yeah. So yes. Uh, as well, I know that volunteering should be um, in a way that you don't ask money or anything. But sometimes the pet parents they are struggling so much to find someone. Yeah. That they offer to pay their ticket to the traveler. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so, every case is different, isn't it? But it, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just saying every thank case you. Is different. Yeah, yeah, so, excellent. Yeah. It's really good. So where do we find it online? What's the address? Heldedogfly.com. And yep. then you can find in Instagram as well at uh, Heldedogfly. Um, it was a really um, unique nam- uh, name. And actually, <laughs> the, the way that we chose the name is really funny because we have um, a friend that she's really, like, really funny when, with words. Yeah. Um, and she said, well, it would be amazing that you can use the the, the song like who, how, how it is. Now I, I'm saying who held the dog fly, but it's who held the dog out. Yes. Who let the dog there? That one. Yeah. yeah. That one. So she said, <laughs> ah, you could say who held the dog fly. So everything become because of that song. And actually we have um, the song because my sister, she's a singer. Yeah. Um, so she made the, the song and now we have our own song. Oh, <laughs> lovely, lovely. I, I think you're going to do a lot of good for a lot of dogs and a lot of people. Um, and think about it. I mean, it will grow because presumably every rescue organization that you become involved with will then start telling other adopters about the, the yeah. service. So it will grow, won't it? I hope. I hope. I'm working yeah. hard for that. So I really hope. I know that it's a matter of time. 
Um, but yeah, I'm just that's my goal. That's yeah, my goal, and I'm yeah. I'm really focused with my goals. So um, everything for the animals, I'm gonna try to reach it. Isn't that a great idea? Strangely enough, I was looking on Facebook at a chocolate Labrador in Greece the other day, just idly daydreaming. And though I really liked the look of the dog, I was struck by the difficulty of getting her to the UK. So hearing from Marta was timely. We have the links she mentioned at dogcastradio.com. According to Blue Cross Research, 30% of people label their pet as their best friend. The Blue Cross is celebrating their 125th anniversary. It's a great charity for which Buddy qualified as an education dog and he and I were lucky enough to represent them visiting schools and other young people's organisations raising awareness of pets' needs. To find out more about the anniversary, I talked to Kerry Taylor, who's the education manager at the Blue Cross. According to research the charity carried out, 40% of people class owning a pet as their fondest childhood memory. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great from the survey that we've just done. It just really highlights that pets are a big part of our lives, aren't they? Yes. Oh, yes. And I think growing up, I was, um, I could never have a dog. So we weren't in the right situation for a dog, but we had cats. And Sophie and Molly, my childhood cats, I just have such amazing memories of them. Yeah. And, you know, they were a, a massive part of my life. So it's nice for the survey to really highlight that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, you're lucky because I, we briefly had a dog, um, which which is a very sad story. And, um, and I I think I've told that on uh, Dogcast before, but it was a sad story. Um, and, and one that stayed with me, but we had a dog briefly and then we, we weren't lucky enough to have a cat, but we had, I loved, you know, we had uh, fish I had hamsters, rabbits, guinea pigs, and you know, I loved them all. And yeah, now that I have a dog, I really, really cherish the fact that I'm lucky enough to have a dog. And I was lucky enough to give my daughter a dog when she was a child. That There was a dog in the house. So that meant so much. But my other animals, my other pets meant so much to me. And I think that's it's great. It's right that we we celebrate that. So I'm really pleased to be to be interviewing you about this. So what things and themes have you got to celebrate this 125th anniversary? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've got so many. And I think the great thing for us is it's nice to look back. So we've been here, you know, 125 years since Mm. 1897. And we have this massive archive of the most amazing pictures, stories and letters. And it's been really nice for people just to kind of stop, reflect a little bit and see all about the pets that we used to help and support, the amazing fact that we opened the first ever animal hospital in 1906, which is amazing. Wow. Yeah. And it's still going today, our Victoria Hospital. Excellent. Um, oh, some of the, the pictures that we have are just amazing. Um, but also to kind of look at over the last couple of years, especially with the pandemic, how we've adapted, became flexible and really supported people that are in need. And then also, you know, looking forward, we are still here, very dedicated to helping more pets in the future. So we're going to celebrate our 125th anniversary all year. We're going to make the most of it. Excellent. Absolutely. So, I mean, having said that, you've been going for 125 years. That's amazing. What do you think were the, the main challenges pets and pet owners faced when the charity was first established? Yeah, are very different from now, really. If, mm. if we look back, you know, all those years, 
Um, we first started actually by a group of animal lovers who wanted to start a charity to help the horses on the streets of London. Mm. So, you know, used for transport, pulling heavy loads. We were called our Dumb Friends League then, so very different from our name now. Um, but we'd make sure they had water, got the vet treatment that they needed. So I, I think, you know, animals back then would have been used very differently. Yes. But what our archives do show us is there was still a connection so we, um, in World War II, actually, we started a boarding kennels for dogs where soldiers had to go off to war and they couldn't leave their dog at home on their own, obviously. So mm. they'd come to the Blue Cross boarding kennels and we'd care for them. And the pictures of the soldiers coming home and um, meeting their dog again is just amazing. And the joy in their face and the joy in the dog's face as well really highlights that they're, they're even back then, although animals were used differently, there was still a massive connection. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, that's, I guess, really, that's why dogs are our best friend in the animal world kind of thing. That's why they're such a successful pet. And wherever we live, we, we take them with us, you know, across the world, because that bond is so deep, so fundamental, you know, and so unbreakable, isn't it? Oh, I agree. And from the survey, actually, 30% of people labelled their pet as their best friend. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, there's a story that really stands out for me of um, there was a dog called Ruff. Hmm. And um, it was in 1944. And his home got bombed. And he actually went back in all through the debris and dragged out the little baby, baby oh. Graham, um, who oh. was 10 months old. Yeah. He, um, he then went back in and rescued Graham's mum and also the family cat, Ginger. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and that's, that's outrageous. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And another thing, doesn't that show you that our animals see all of the family as family? It's not just, you know, there's humans and, and animals to them. All, all the family they live with is, oh, is family. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I completely agree. And the really nice thing about Ruff as well was um, back then we um, used to give out medals. So we'd give out medals to animal heroes. So we mm. recognised him as a, a true hero and he got um, rewarded with a, a Blue Cross medal, which is really nice. Oh, lovely. And I think that's, again, really important that we do honour our animals because, you know, that the, the, the wonder of having any animal but for me, obviously, particularly a dog, but the wonder yes. of that can get lost in the everyday you know, grind, can't it? Oh, it can. You know, life is busy, isn't it? We've all got yeah. our own challenges. Um, but again, the survey really highlighted that 60 percent of people during the pandemic really um, kind of highlighted to them how important their pets were. Yeah. Getting them out, getting fresh air, um, not being lonely, that companionship. And that's a big thing for Blue Cross. You know, over the years, we've always focused on that people-pet relationship. And we truly believe that pets are such a big part of our lives that we want to make sure we can support people with that as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank goodness for you, because we <laughs> we need it, don't we? Um, <laughs> but, I mean, you're right. We've never needed or depended on our pets more than now. And the pandemic really highlighted that. And the the sudden need... Um, mm. demand if you like for I, I need a dog from so many people um, we really turned to them in our time of need we wanted that support more than ever didn't we oh yes I mean there's been so many pets that have been rehomed during the pandemic which is fantastic 
Um, but also on the flip side of that, what we have seen, and I suppose a modern day challenge now, you know, now for us is that, you know, we want things instantly, don't we? We can go yes. online on our phones. We can get anything we want whenever we want it. And sadly, sometimes this means pets too. So for future challenges, you know, Blue Cross is really going to focus on trying to get back into um, you know, improving legislation around online sales, that scandalous puppy breeding and puppy farming, yeah. and really encouraging people, you know, if you if you do find yourself in a situation where you're ready to share your life with the pet, do that research. Make sure you know what pet you're getting, the time they need, the environment that they need, and most importantly, where you get them from. You know, turn to a charity like Blue Cross if you can. But if there isn't the pet for you there, then be very, very careful of those online sales because you really don't know what you're buying. Yeah, yeah. And they're so sophisticated, aren't they? They'll they'll have some, you know, some of them will have a family in a house posing as the owners of a, of a, a dog, a bitch that's that's had the puppies and died and you can't see the, the mom of the puppies. And there's so many scams. And of course your heart melts for these poor orphan puppies and this family trying to do their best. And actually they're just the front people for a scam, aren't they? Oh, you're so right. I mean, it's actually very difficult to tell, really. Yes. And what we want to be doing is, um, you know, when we're in this situation, we want to make sure that we see the puppy with the parents. Yeah. That actually, you know, that there is signs that the puppy has been suckling from the mother, that they're asking us more questions than yes. we really feel comfortable with. You know, Absolutely. they should be interviewing us. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay. That's what you want. You know, you want them to make sure they want to find a great home for their puppy or their dog. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's true. Whether you're adopting or buying, that is true. Whoever you are going to for that for that dog or puppy, you want them to be really asking you the, the tough questions. You know, what are you going to do when you go on holiday? How are you going to occupy this dog? You know, what enrichment can you offer? How much time can you give? All those questions you want them to be asking you, don't you? Yeah, definitely. And it's good sometimes to make you think of those things mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a big decision to get a pet and it's important that that is really thought about to make sure that you know you can look after them the best that you can and you have that wonderful relationship together yeah yeah absolutely well I mean you've mentioned sort of the puppy mills and puppy farms and the churn out puppies and tell tell us just remind us why is it so bad because I'm sure some people will think well if they're turning out a lot of dogs surely they know what they're doing you know I don't want to go to somebody that just has a a litter occasionally so tell us why is it so important what's so bad about puppy farms and puppy mills yeah I mean we see this every day at our hospitals really um you know puppies coming in that have been very badly bred so may show really bad health conditions Mm. um you know, brachy breeds, for example, at the minute, yes. the brachycephalic breeds, which with the flat face, indiscriminately breeding them. So they're flatter faced and flatter faced because that's what people like. Mm-hmm. But it does mean that they have terrible health conditions. We see lots of disease like parvo. Um, but you also see lots of behavioral problems as well because, yes. you know, these puppies are living in a cage, possibly, or mm-hmm. in a, um, you know, in a barn with hundreds of other puppies their their mother has probably been bred from so much that she's weak poorly and although our hearts you know melt in this situation yes. and we want to do everything we can the best thing you can do is report them yeah and, and walk away because you feed that market if we keep buying these puppies 
Yes, absolutely. You think because people say, oh, I rescued them. I bought them from this awful situation. You haven't really rescued them. You've lined that person's pockets. You've given them the money to carry on, haven't you? It's so hard, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, you do look online and you see these pictures of the puppies and you do just think, oh, I could help. I could help. Yeah. But it's the bigger picture. And, it, you know, it's it's a, a massive thing, puppy farming, really, sadly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very slick, isn't it? And I mean, it's it's hard to fight back against because if... You know, I've been on on Instagram and seen one of my bugbears is teacup, tiny yeah. little teacup puppies. And you, well, hang on, hang on. There's no such thing as teacup for a start. That's just a label. That means I can charge you extra money. Um, yeah. You know, and it just it makes me so sad, and it's so difficult to fight against that because everything in you, when you see these tiny little puppies, yes, they do look cute, but you don't see all the suffering that goes yeah. on behind the scenes, do you? Definitely. I mean, the promising thing is in the survey that we did, um, you know, just around 30 percent of people agreed that there needs to be better legislation around breeding and selling of, of pets. So Excellent. It, it's improving. I think that awareness is improving. But for the future of Blue Cross, you know, we, we are still pushing forward. We want to help 120,000 more pets over the next three years. Wow. Breeding and online sales will be a real focus for us to make sure that we push for a change. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, as you say, there is hope there. It isn't all doom and gloom. There are charities like you. There are good breeders who don't just breed, you know, not for the love of the money. That's breeders, not greeders, Um, you know. So Uh there is hope. It's not all doom and gloom, is it? No, no, definitely not. And you're right. There are some really good breeders out there, but that takes time to yes. find them and to go on the waiting list. And, you know, and actually, I always think you're better to wait, even mm-hmm. if it's a bit longer than you'd thought, you know, thought of, but you're better to wait and get that right and then have just the most fantastic relationship with your new pet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It is. And it's difficult. And, you know, um, Jenny and I, my daughter, Jenny and I have both had times where we've lost a dog, we've grieved. We've waited yeah. until we feel ready. And then you go, but I'd like the puppy now or the dog yeah. now. And it doesn't happen. And you think, yeah, but I'm going to, hopefully I'm going to spend years with that dog. You've got to yeah. get it right. It's, yeah. It will pay off in the long term, won't it? Definitely. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, you know, look at the, whatever animal it is, look at what it was yeah. meant to do, what, what its needs are. You know, if it's a dog, what breed is it? What was it supposed to do? Can you meet those needs? Um, it's all very well. I, I love, for example, I love, I love the look of pointers, English pointers. But, yeah. you know, I don't jog. I'm not going to go out and, and give that dog the <laughs> exercise. So I won't have one, thank you. But that is vital, isn't it, that you look at whatever breed it is. And that's why when people come to you for a, for a, a dog, that you are going to ask them questions about their lifestyle. Because it's no good giving them, you know, this high high energy dog if they don't really want to do that live that high energy life or conversely if they want to be active all the day it's no good giving them perhaps an older more laid-back dog who who might not want to do so much is it you've got to match it's like dating really you want to match the (laughs) the um the rescuer or you know the adopter with the the uh the dog haven't you oh you're so right and with Blue Cross again you know that future focus for us is about that understanding of pets so we know we're a nation of animal lovers we we really are you know we can see that in our survey results we see it every day at our our charity sites and our hospitals but we don't always get it right and we are going to really try and make sure that our education and advice is accessible and people don't feel judged you know they can come to us for support and we want to improve that understanding 
well-being of each different species you know all our different pets mm-hmm. um but also that it might be different breeds of dogs but within those different breeds of dogs each individual dog also has their own special needs and yes. they have a personality don't they yeah absolutely and we want we want to help owners to understand their animals better and then they can have a much better relationship with them yeah yeah definitely definitely um in your the long history then of the blue cross what do you think the charity's proudest achievement has been? Yeah, oh, such a tricky one. Um, I think for me, what really stands out is the the animal hospital. So creating that first ever animal hospital back in 1906, um, and then it's still going today is just unbelievable. Um, and I also think more recently, you know, that the, that we're lobbying government, we're trying to make a change in legislation. We helped with um, pet theft and improving that legislation we've helped with the dangerous dogs act and I think that's really important so you know even from when we first started we've always been there trying to change pets futures and I think that's a really proud thing that you know we should shout about really and, yes. and try and do more of yeah absolutely because you do you reach out in a variety of ways and you support animals in a variety of ways don't you and you you raise awareness and you educate people and you support them and it's a really broad support that's there isn't it yeah definitely um you're right you know we have from our education program in schools um which you were obviously a part of which is fantastic um to our behavior service our clinical service our pet bereavement line and our rehoming and you know actually nowadays we need that we need to be really flexible and be able to provide people with what they need and the pets with what they need to make sure that everyone can live that happy you know happy life together so it's great that we've got such a wide services um but also can still remember at the heart of blue cross and what we used to do what we kind of really were developed around yeah yeah absolutely how can people become more involved if they want to support you if they're listening and think yeah this is really great how do they support you yeah I mean there's many ways so um going to the website's a great start so bluecross.org.uk and we have obviously career opportunities so jobs that are open and volunteering so there's many volunteering roles from as a speaker um you know in education program to working in shops to at the site when they get get back into a bit more of working as normal from covid um to fundraising you know we've got a fantastic challenge starting in february where you've got to do 100 sit-ups a day so if you're if you're up to your fitness and you want to raise some great funds for blue cross that's also a really good way to get involved excellent if you yeah social media is another fantastic way to keep up to date with all our stories we'll be celebrating our anniversary the whole year so if you look on any of our social media channels you'll see lots of our stories and how you can get involved yeah yeah so if you need um inspiration to go and do those um 100 sit-ups a day that's where to go (laughs) and I'm thinking that will fit in because a lot of people will have made new year's resolutions to get fitter and lose weight and by now my your enthusiasm might be dwindling a bit so (laughs) that that challenge is might be just what you need mightn't it yeah what you uh, to I you know 100 sit-ups for pets a day that's doable isn't it yeah yeah definitely (laughs) absolutely they'd do it for us wouldn't they if they could they would they would yes (laughs) Well, thank you ever so much. So happy birthday to the Blue Cross and here's to another 125 years. Yes. Oh, thank you so much, Julie. Thanks to Kerry for telling me all about the Blue Cross. You can find the link to the charity on the Dogcast Radio site. 
According to Blue Cross Research, over 60% of people agree that the pandemic has made them realise the importance of owning a pet, with 42% agreeing that owning a pet is a vital tool to help them combat loneliness. Most of us are on social media, but is your dog on social media? And what's the secret of having a thriving dog account? Nina Cole had a successful pet-sitting business, but is now focusing on her social media. I got some advice from her about creating a great account, and we also discussed whether social media is good for pets. We started off talking about Nina's gorgeous dog, Ellie. As you know, I've always had German Shepherds up until about two years ago. Um, and I just felt at my age that maybe getting another German Shepherd would be a little bit too much because um, I'm sure all Shepherds uh, owners would say the same. They do need a lot of exercise and they do need a lot of mental st stimulation. Yes, yeah. So um, I just decided I would like to go for a really scruffy little rescue dog <laughs> the next time. And um, we, I was looking through um, one of the websites, hmm. uh, one of the rescue websites, and I saw Ellie appear. She was uh, everything I didn't want. So she was a puppy. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I got my heart set on, on rehoming maybe a two or three year old dog. Um, but nevertheless, I just fell in love with her. Mm. Um, it was just like she reached through the website and pulled me in. So um, I literally contacted them straight away. Um, and because of my experience, I think they were quite keen um, that I should have Ellie. Um, we live in Dorset and mm. the website, the rescue was in Wales. So we had our, our home check and within a couple of weeks, my husband and I, um, I think it was about a seven hour round trip. Wow. Um, but we drove all the way down to Wales to collect her and brought her back. And I had absolutely no idea that I would be working with her as well. Yes, yes. But she's such a cutie. I mean, in many ways, you know, she she is perfect for, for social media, isn't she? She's designed for social media. Um, so, she, you know, I can imagine she gets a, a big following. So she, she's really beautiful. Um, so let's get to grips. And you're saying you're working with her on social media. So social media. Really, what I want to talk about is... Do you think it's good or bad for pets and for dogs? I think you've got to be very careful. With German Shepherds, it's a whole different ball game, And I have to say that there are a lot of German Shepherds that I see on social media and their owners do it very well. Um, with Ellie, it's slightly different um, because, as I said, uh, we work together. So... I was very against dressing dogs up mm. until I got Ellie. And for the last 23 years, I have been intermittently working with brands, um, reviewing their products. But I've never done it seriously. So when I say seriously, 
I mean, I've never actually made an income from it, Mm. which is what I do now. And um, I'm sure that most people on social media that are successful would tell you that you should try and make the most of holidays, um, which means sort of just for fun, dressing them up. Now, I got Ellie used to this when she was quite young because it I have to say it wasn't constructed, so we fell into it by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started taking photographs of her, and I was aware that she had a really quirky personality. Yeah. Um, a little bit like an extension of me, really. <laughs> um, and I thought, you know, we, we started getting brands reaching out to us seriously um, to see if we would be interested in working with them. And because there's a very sort of magical theme that runs through our account, I started manipulating um, some of the videos that we do to make it look like magic, which involved a bit of dressing up. So I decided to um, get us both a Harry Potter costume each and gradually started dressing her up a little bit. But when I say dressing her up, it's not sort of taking her outside dressed up and being silly with it. This is strictly when we work with brands. So, for example, um, now when she sees, because she's got a bigger wardrobe than I've got, by the way, (laughs) but when she sees the magic wand come out, and she sees any, oh, there's um, a lot of influencers um, use what's called, um, I'm not sure what the, uh, the proper name is, but it's like a circle ring, which you need for the lighting. Yes. And yes. I think in her little mind, she associates that ring light with work. Yes. So she gets really <laughs> excited because she knows that she's going to get her ball and and a few treats, but they are very healthy treats. Yes, <laughs> I have to say. Yeah, um, oh, bless. So- I can I can just imagine because I know when I used to do tricks with Buddy, and when he saw the alley oop come out and the, you know, whatever it was we were using that day, his little face would light up and his tail would wag. So you know, dogs like to do something, don't they? Oh yeah, I mean cockapoos are extremely intelligent. Um, And I mean, she knows when to hold something. I mean, seriously, Julie, I remember one day I was doing an Instagram live Hmm. and I hadn't done a live before and I'd forgotten something. And really quirkily and stupidly, Ellie was sitting on the settee looking straight at the camera. (laughs) And I said, Ellie, just keep the people entertained until I get back. And honestly, people were coming on and talking to her and she was (laughs) wagging her tail. It's almost like she knew what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, bless her. Well, as you say, she's been used to it since, you know, from an early age. Um, You know, I think that's great in the way you do it. You know, you've got her used to it. You you make sure that the clothing is used in a sensible way. You don't take her out and sort of get her overheated. Um, And I think that's great. But I think... It's so important for us to talk about that and, and to address that because, you know, if people see that and think, oh, yeah, I could dress my dog up, we really need to be aware of not overheating them, not making them uncomfortable. And, for example, I've heard of dogs falling down the stairs because they were in a onesie and they caught their foot in the, the you know, up the sleeve and in the arm of the onesie and they couldn't, have the, they couldn't get their balance. And 
that that just you know fills me with dread I think that's horrible so I do think we need to you know if if you do dress the dog up make sure that it's safe for the dog isn't it that's got to be the priority absolutely um I can't think of any instance where I would ever take Ellie out Mm. um in a costume I just wouldn't do it Julie um I do sometimes shoot on location. We we got all our stuff together and I, I wrote my husband into it. Mm. Um, but I've also got a tripod and I took all our costumes out um, and we were filming in Morton Forest. Mm. And it, it caused quite a lot of hilarity <laughs> with some of the dog walkers <laughs> that stumbled upon us, you know. But it, it was great fun. And again, as soon as that had stopped... The costume came off and that was it. So I would never put her in anything in the summer apart from if we were shooting. Sometimes um, I'd be doing a few photo shots on the beach, um, which involved uh, sunglasses and a little hat and something. But literally she has them on for minutes um, and that's it. They yeah. come off. Yeah. So I, I would say to anyone, if anybody out there thinks it's easy, I promise you it is not easy. Because if Ellie doesn't want to work, yeah. then that is it. Yeah, absolutely. She does not work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, she's a little diva, isn't she? And so she should be, you know, that's good for her. But I mean, it's it's sounding like, you know, having a, an Instagram account and having taken photos of your dog can become like an activity almost on a par with a dog sport that you go and do okay we're going to do some activity now and it's it's enrichment for the dog or it can be enrichment for the dog can't it oh it is because you have to teach them certain commands that maybe you wouldn't do with a a dog that doesn't do this um but she picks everything up so so quickly um I always have taught my dog speak quiet sit down you know all the basics but with Ellie that I've just introduced a few more words in there and she loves it because she loves the interaction and at the moment I'm trying to teach her to play dead Hmm. which is not easy because that is the one thing she doesn't like sitting still for long yes yeah (laughs) do you know it's funny but Buddy had a he's one of his tricks was I'd pretend to shoot him and he'd lie down and play dead and I really wanted to teach mischief that and she's just not up for that because she's a younger dog she's very active she doesn't want to play lying down and so we've done other things you twist and spin and other things um but it's a different mindset isn't it and you and when you go from a sort of an, an older dog to a younger one it's sort of oh I've got to adjust things now and I've forgotten this but yet yeah, it's got to be right for the dog saying that you know, social media, I think, gets any technology gets vilified. And I, I believe any technology, whether it's social media, whether it's a gun, whether it's a hammer, you know, whatever it is, it's only as good as the hands it's in, the people that use it. And so social media can be a great force for good, I believe. So now you wouldn't have met, you wouldn't have maybe been aware of, of Ellie without social media, might you? No, absolutely not. Um, as I say, I saw her on the website. Mm. So I I think with social media, um, I've not seen so much negativity Mm. um, 
with me and Ellie, although I'm sure it does go on. It's it's very difficult with social media, Julie, because I think if you're taking it seriously and you are working with brands, um, then you've got to make your account authentic. Yes, yeah. Um, it's no good going into these follow loops or um, buying likes and you know which which goes on a lot because brands aren't stupid so for example if you've got an account with say um 20,000 followers and on each post they've maybe got 3 5 up to 20 comments yeah. then you know that that's not an organic feed yes. and yeah. brands won't they won't touch you and I try to teach this through my Instagram account. Um, but sadly, you know, I think some people just, you know, they go for the vanity metrics mm. um, and like to say, oh, I've got 30,000 followers. And and you, you just think, well, yeah, but what are you going to do with them? Because yes. they were either bought or they were obtained in follow loops. So it, I just think it's sad, really. Mm -hmm. As you say, it's authenticity. I mean, from my experience, people like engagement. You know, they like you to be real and there and commenting back and, and entering into discussions, you know, and um, it's that interaction. You've got to be... It's no use just posting a picture and hoping that will do the trick. You've got to, to sort of then, then engage with people, you know. And, you know... So in, in my case, I'm trying to tell people about Dogcast Radio, about the, the podcast. So, you know, I'm trying to, to tell them about that. But I'm trying to put, you know, messages out there that are going to help dogs, hopefully, and owners. So, But it's all about enabling your message to get as far as it can to help as many people, isn't it? Well, it is, because if you've got a business and you're using social media, then you need to use it to do your market research. Yeah. You know, go onto your stories and ask people, you know, what kind of subjects do you want to um, do you want me to talk about? What interests you? A lot of people will go onto social media and they will just throw a post up and a couple of stories mm. um, and then leave again and expect people to engage with them and that's not going to happen yeah so for example with with ellie and i we try to plan our content in advance although i am a little bit remiss at that um but i will go on for about 15 to 20 minutes before i put a post up um and i will engage in the people that follow me and that are interested in my account um, and if, for example, I'm interested in, in a company, because the one thing I do like to do is to work with fledging companies. And in fact, I'm working with one at the moment. They're very new um, and I'm about to put a post up, hopefully the beginning of next week, mm. which will involve a blog post as well. So, you know, don't just go on and post and ghost Yes. Um, because you will never get people interested in you. It, it's just selfish. Yeah, yeah. And and as you say, it's not about just getting followers for you, is it? It's, it's sort of, I mean, well, building friendships, I guess. That's at the bottom of it all. We all want to, to um, have friends and, and have interaction with them, especially during lockdowns and things like that when we can't mix as normally as possible. Um, I mean, another thing that I think social media is really great for is, you know, lost dogs and stolen dogs, and they get shared so much. It makes them too hot to handle, 
it reunites them with owners, doesn't it? And that's a real force for good. Absolutely. And of course, you've got drones now. Mm. Um, So I've seen them used quite a lot and successfully. Um, And I think Twitter is great um, for um, helping find lost and stolen dogs. I think more so than Instagram. I think each social site has got its own sort of um, specific niche where you can go. And uh, I think Twitter, for me, is probably the best for reuniting owners with their their lost animals. Yes, it's very quick, isn't it, Twitter? It's instant in a way that the others aren't quite so, you know, particularly, you know, Instagram is fairly instant if you just want to post nice pictures or, you know, content like that. But Twitter, even just with the text, just of information, sharing information quickly, isn't it? Absolutely. But it's like with all social media, you've got to give people a reason to follow you. Because if you don't, then why should they? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what what's your advice for people? Because, you know, in this day and age, we all want, um, even, you know, just for vanity or whatever, we want a good social media following. So what's your advice? How do people go about that? Well, I would say my, I'm not, I'm not really fussed about Facebook Hmm. I've never really utilized Facebook um my specific um I think has got to be Instagram and if you're serious about your Instagram account and it doesn't matter what niche you're in whether it's the pet niche lifestyle makeup whatever you need to take it seriously and that starts with your bio now with a lot of pet accounts I look at people's bio and you know, it's nonsense, really, because they've got things that might be important to them, but won't really matter to other people. So, for example, they'll have the date that their pet was born. Yeah. Well, that's great, but you get 150 characters yes. for your bio. So utilize them wisely. You know, tell people what you're doing on your Instagram account. Um, so, and also... As I said, don't post and ghost. You need to go on at least a quarter of an hour before you're going to post and use your your insights as well to find out when your audience is most active. For me, I find about sort of six o'clock in the evening um, and maybe sort of eight o'clock in the morning Mm. are the time when my audience is most active. And I'm a great believer in quality over quantity as well. Um, So, for example, I see some accounts that will keep posting. So um, every day or twice a day. And when I've I've tried to post every day, it just waters my engagement down. Mm. Um, So I find every other day is good for me. Um, And also, don't forget to collaborate with other people. Yeah. So, for example, I'm collaborating with you now. Yes. Um, and I will put up on my Instagram in my stories and a post that I've done this podcast with you. And I will put your details in and encourage people to follow you. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I I'll do the your... same for you. Absolutely. So you're borrowing other people's audience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's all to the good because... You build up your own little circle of, you know, nice people, if you like. And then it's it's really, I enjoy meeting new people. But it, there's always that thing, particularly in the dog world, of with there's so many 
pitfalls you can fall into, particularly with trainers. And it's, you've got to be so careful. You can say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And so it's nice to meet people that other people, you know, that your nice people have already met for you and in a way, you know, sorted them out for you. And yeah, I'm going to be safer. I can meet this person and, and, and we'll be okay. Well, the thing, the thing is, and I've got to be very careful what I say here because I've worked with quite a few trainers um, in my other um, life working in the pet industry, and they're, they're a very particular breed of people, <laughs> if you don't mind me saying, because sadly, um, it's, it's usually they will be very fixated on their way is the best way. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's not always the case because you know what works for one dog may not work for another. And it's the same with social media. You know, what works for one account may not work for your account. So just try it. Yeah. See how you go and use your use your insights because if you don't then you could be just throwing something at the wall and hoping it sticks yes yeah absolutely absolutely i mean i'm just thinking with in the training world they say don't you don't they train the dog in front of you you know that dogs or individuals train the dog that you've actually got if what i'm thinking about here is the fads that you know we all want a dalmatian or we all want a french bulldog or we all want and that's so sad that breaks my heart because some of those dogs will then be bought from the wrong people and end up in rescue for whatever reason. And that's awful. So, I mean, in some ways, Instagram the dog in front of you. You know, you don't need a designer breed. You don't need, you know, the, the latest fad breed or anything like that. Instagram the dog in front of you because they're cute. Well, you know, Ellie is not a pedigree. Mm. Um, I paid £240 um, for rescue for Ellie. Mm. Um, and, you know, people say, oh, is she a cockapoo? <laughs> or that you get multi-poos. And, and they're, you know, putting it very politely, they are a mixed breed. So why are people going out and paying thousands yes. of pounds yeah. for yeah. a dog that's mixed? Now, if I did a DNA test on Ellie which I am hoping to do mm -hmm. in a couple of months' time because I think I'm working with one of the DNA um, companies. Excellent. Yeah. I'm sure that there is more than just a poodle and a spaniel in Ellie. She's probably got a bit of this and a bit of that and goodness knows what else in her. But the problem is, Julie, that people are fueling cruelty yes. unbeknown to them. Like, they're constantly buying these flat, based yes, breeds yes. and you know when we met at Crofts I was very um, honest with you and I, I said I would never go to Crofts again because I despise the show world I really do because you know you go into Crofts and you see these dogs stacked up in in their crates and they're suffering from all manner of, of illnesses because of the way that they've been bred and I don't feel that the kennel club are doing enough to stop it mm. look at the German Shepherd I mean their their backs are so sloped now that you know it's crucifying their back legs mm. and their ligaments yeah and it, it it really does make me upset when I sit when I see what the German Shepherd used to be mm. and I know that there is um you know within the German Shepherd proper breeder community they are doing something about yes. it now but yeah 
I don't see very much happening with the flat-faced breeds. And in the summer, you see them, the poor little things, they can't breathe properly. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes my heart bleed. Yes, it, it is horrible, isn't it? Horrible. And I think the thing is, when the love of the dog is behind the breeding, that's good for the dogs. When the love of the money is behind the breeding, that's when things go wrong, isn't it? Well, you've put that, you've put that beautifully, Julie. Thank you. But you see, the power is in our hands. Yes, absolutely. Because if people stop buying these breeds, then something will be done. But all the while, people keep buying them. And to be honest, there's a lot of information out there yes, now. Yes. So I don't really see that there's any excuse. And at the end of the day, the people that buy them are the ones that are going to have to pay God knows how much for the operations mm -hmm. to open their nasal passages to allow them to breathe again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, you say there, there's, there's a lot of information online and there is a lot of information. The trouble is finding the, you know, sorting the wheat from the chaff, the good information from the unreliable information. And, and that's a, a trick in itself, isn't it? That, um, and so it's worth sorting out your good uh, social media influences, you know, in the dog world. And it's not always the footballers or the people from Love Island or wherever. It's not, not picking on anybody specific there, but it's it's people that, you know, know more about dogs who are going to give you... And, it, yeah, you know, it may not be, you know, from flashy from the show business world, but those are the people that you need to seek out, seek out to find the right information, aren't they? I totally agree. And... You know, I think I think a lot of the um, well-known people now are beginning to err on the side of rescue. Mm, mm. Um, and I know with Paul O'Grady and what he does um, with Battersea, yeah. um, I, I think Battersea are doing really well with their rehoming programmes. But I would say, you know... Go to your local rescue and give them a chance because they're the ones that struggle and they get dogs in just the same as Battersea do that, you know, some are, yes, I mean, some will will have a, the odd behavioural problem. But, you know, what really um, kind of upsets me is the people that think, oh, a, a dog that comes from um, a rescue centre is a problem dog. That is just not no, true. Yeah, yeah. It's not because a lot of dogs were bought in lockdown and they're being returned now. They're going back to rescue because people are going back to work and they just cannot afford to look after them. Mm. Um, so, you know, just go and put your name down and you'll... You know, if you can rescue, then you're making room for another dog that also needs a new home. You know, give them a chance. Don't put it into the hands of greedy breeders. And when I say that, Julie, I know there are some wonderful yes. breeders out yeah. there. Yeah. So if somebody wants a pedigree, do your research first. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, saying that, there are pedigree the breed rescues aren't there you know absolutely yeah, yeah, absolutely but every mm -hmm. every pedigree has got a rescue yeah um and there is they don't have to be older dogs you can get younger dogs too oh yes whereas i say you know people could um going back to work can't afford uh, the dog anymore or they don't like leaving them all day when they're working um marriage breakups there's all manner of reasons why dogs end up at rescue yeah 
Yeah. And as you say, there are the breeders are great. It's the greeders, you know, again, they're the ones. Absolutely. That are the, yeah, the problem. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, all my German shepherds were bought from breeders. Mm, mm. You know, so I'm not, I don't want people to think that I've come on here knocking all breeders because I'm not. Yeah, yeah. And the good ones would totally agree with me oh, because, yes. yeah. you know, there, there's these websites out there that are, are, you know, advertising pugs, cockapoos, mm. or, you know, all these designer dogs that people want. And, you know, they're, they're unsuspecting. They'll go... And they'll hand over their hard-earned money, not realising that these people are a front for puppy farms. Yes, yeah. They're very clever these days. aren't they? So please do your research first. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to say about social media, Nina? You know, if people are serious about their social media... You know, don't just throw posts up and, you know, do your research. I mean, I do I do quite a lot on my account now. I give tips and tricks um, on my social media and also on Clubhouse. Um, and Clubhouse is very big, actually. There's a lot of um, people from the pet industry on there. Um, and I, I would encourage people to download the app onto their phones and having mosey around the corridors of Clubhouse, because I do a room every Wednesday, um, and in the UK it's at nine o'clock, um, and it's called Instagram Connect, hmm. and I've got lots of people on there, social media experts, that can give you tips and tricks on what to do, but please, please don't just go out there and get a dog thinking that you want to become a pet influencer and famous because I promise you it doesn't work like that Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely saying that tell us your um social media where can people find you you know more about you online um okay so it's at when Nina met Ellie um and that's the same across all our social media I just started on TikTok Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of TikTok (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I did have one that that surpassed 60,000 views, I think. Wow, excellent. Um, I've got no idea how it did it, Julie, because I just <laughs> threw it up. But, you know, it's all in good fun. Yeah, um, um, yeah. And I've also got a blog as well. And I tend to blog quite a lot about animal welfare issues. So, again, it's when Nina met Ellie. We have the links Nina mentioned at dogcastradio.com. And you can also find her on Instagram and Facebook. And, well, basically, she's all over the internet. And we have the links on the Dogcast Radio site. Thanks to Nina for that great advice. That's all for this time. The next podcast is episode 250. And to celebrate the milestone, we have two eminent scientists to discuss choosing pets instead of children and the science of making dogs happy. They'll probably be cake too, though we'll have to look into how you download your slice. I'll leave that to Mr. Dogcaster Sword. Until then... Look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. By phone from the UK, you can contact us on 0121 288 
01484-222-0922. From the US, you can contact us on our American number, which is 315-849-2022. From any other country, you'll need your international exit code and then 44121-288-0922. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dog cast radio that's all one word dog cast radio by email you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. when contacting us by email if you have the facilities please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file that way we can include them directly in our program we can accept most formats for example wav mp3 all these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What did Darth Vader's dog say to Luke's? Come to the bark side. <laughs>